Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing with a good friend of mine, Rachel Stefancic, about food allergies and our personal experience having a daughter with food allergies. And we're actually just going to dive right in and not doing any brief catch up today since we're actually recording this a couple months ahead of time. So it just will be irrelevant by the time this comes out. So we're going to dive right in. So I've had the pleasure of working with Rachel for over five years. Rachel and I worked together to create allergy trainings for our food service staff which is ironic considering what we will be discussing today. Rachel is the mom of two girls, Gracie and Layla. Layla will be one year old, I just learned, next week. I knew it was soon. Gracie's four and exactly to the day, five months younger than Paige, so she'll be five in January. Rachel and I have bonded over the fact that our daughters are both highly sensitive, which you can learn more about on a previous episode. Gracie's also unique in that she has food allergies and allergic, is allergic to peanuts and eggs. With that said, Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So both of our girls are actually upstairs right now playing. uh, And I was just telling Nicole before we started that we're kind of on a a, a time. There's a definitely we're we're trying to speed this up as much as possible because (laughs) like I said, they're both highly sensitive. Actually, Gracie has never even met Nick and Nick is up there with them. So Mm -hmm. she's doing great. Yeah. So, so far, so good. I think the age... Five has been, has been good for both of our girls. I know mm-hmm. that Gracie's not five yet, but close enough. Okay, so we're going to dive right into the interview. I'm going to start with the first uh, sort of question. So the standard for a diagnosis of food allergy is that there needs to be a clinical history of a reaction in addition to a positive clinical test result. So Rachel, talk to us briefly about how you discovered Gracie had a food allergy or food allergies and what was the process like? Yeah, so... I think we found out that Gracie had food allergies, much like everyone does through a reaction. Um, so when Gracie was eight months old, um, she we were giving her breakfast um, and, as you could imagine, was having scrambled eggs and baked apples. I still remember the, the, the breakfast. And she had finished up. My husband had actually taken her upstairs to get changed for the day and I was cleaning up. And I just remember him calling down like, Rachel, get up here. Something's going on. Um, I ran upstairs and... I I laughed because I remember him covered in lotion because we found we knew that she had bad eczema, which in hindsight kind of made sense as we realized she had a high, highly sensitive immune system. That eczema um, is a precursor. And and if you have it, you can be more um, likely to have food allergies. So Mm -hmm. he had thought she was just having a really bad eczema reaction, then realized, no, this is more than just eczema and I looked at her she was just covered in hives um she was kind of getting sleepy so maybe kind of losing some consciousness and her breathing was as if she had run a mile um and I knew I think in my gut just my knowledge of food allergies I'm like she's having a reaction so we threw her in the car um the longest drive to children's ER possible. I remember sitting in the backseat, just crying and trying to keep her up because I just was so scared that she was, if she fell asleep, she just wouldn't wake up. So we get in the emergency room, they rush her back. Um, By the time we get there though, like her symptoms had subsided. um, So they were pretty much just doing an analysis of what had happened. And they said, yeah, well, we can't, 
unless we did a test, we can't really say, yes, yeah, she's allergic or this is what had happened. So, but we can, based on what you're telling us, it sounds like she had an allergic reaction to a food item and gave us a prescription to EpiPens. And we um, followed up with our pediatrician um, and they gave us a reference to a um, allergist. So we quickly got in there um, and they did a full um, panel of um, a skin scratch test, which is pretty typical, um, especially I think on an infant um, that they, they don't typically pull blood right then. So, and they did a pretty big um, look at broad spectrum, definitely the top eight, definitely some major proteins. I think they were trying to just make sure that like food, like corn and potatoes that are in a lot of stuff, they just wanted to see what's going on. Um, after that, we found out at that time, she would only showing up as allergic to eggs, which was really, really hopeful because typically kids grow out of a egg yeah. allergy. Um, and they basically told us like, oh, she's not showing allergic to like nuts or peanuts. You should go ahead and give them to her, which at that point in time, you're just like, I don't want to do anything else after what I just went through. But we reluctantly um, gave her a peanut several times. um, And about two months later, she had enough of peanuts um, and she had another reaction, Mm -hmm. um, which was also interesting when I called her allergist. They kind of, because she had tested negative, they were kind of like, oh, it's probably not the peanuts. It was probably a hidden egg ingredient. And I was pretty insistent on going back and having her tested. And so they're like, yep, that's totally fine. And then we got another skin scratch test. And um, then, yeah, she showed positive for peanuts. So, and actually the allergist seemed kind of surprised. So, um, but yeah, and after that, that's all that's ever come up. Um, And um, yeah, and that's, and she's actually done well with tree nuts too. Yeah, so she's not allergic to tree nuts. She's just allergic to peanuts. So you gave her peanuts. She had a reaction and the allergist said that possibly there was eggs in the, like, the peanut product that you gave her. What did you give her? Yeah. So it was actually a teething biscuit with peanut butter on it. And I okay. told them that's what she had had when she had the reaction. And they said, oh, it's we don't think it's the peanuts because she tested negative for that. It's probably a hidden like egg wash on the biscuit. Mm, I remember this. actually. Yeah. And you it, brought them in to show me the ingredients. Yeah, I did. I did. It's like. I don't believe them. Um, but I remember it, like they hung up the phone and I was just like motherly instinct out there. Definitely listen to it. I was like, I do not. I'm not satisfied. I basically called them back. I'm like, I don't accept that. You need a tester again. Good for you. And then, yeah, came back and they're like, okay, yeah, she's definitely allergic to peanuts. So let me just ask. I know that usually it's not the first time they're exposed to the food where they have the big reaction. It's at least the second or third time, like you mm-hmm. kind of just mentioned. Was yeah. that the first time she had eggs? No, okay. no. She had, so we were doing baby led weaning. Yeah. Um, and so she she had had eggs, but you know, the first couple of times are like playing with it or they're spitting it out. Right. I think that the time she fully had the reaction, she had probably ingested enough for her immune mm-hmm. system to be like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you, you asked that question, Gina. And I was curious to Rachel, if you guys had done baby led weaning. So that answers that question for me, but just to be clear, baby led weaning, I, I don't think that there is any higher risk with, you know, dangers around allergies. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think that there's some research that shows that the that, opposite. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you're more likely to give them that kind of food. Yeah. yeah. More the, the research is showing that the early intervention yep. and, and baby led weaning kind of is a system to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you would have had eggs eventually. It doesn't mean that if she would have right. had it later in life that she wouldn't have had the allergy. In fact, it might have even been worse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so, Rachel, research indicates about one in 13 kids have food allergies and, you know, studies are showing that about half of children who are allergic to eggs 
uh, will grow out of that by will become tolerant to them by the age of three and about two thirds uh, tolerant by the age of five. In contrast, only a small percentage of children with a peanut allergy outgrow that allergy, about seven percent. Um, so since that first diagnosis for Gracie uh, of peanut and egg allergies, have her allergies changed or anything new that you guys have discovered? Yeah. So what's interesting, and I know that this is um, pretty typical when you have an egg and a milk allergy, your allergist will encourage you to try a baked product um, with milk and egg um, because the way the protein, from what I understand, you can totally fact check me on this, um, is when it heats for a certain amount of time at a certain amount of uh, temperature, it actually denatures the protein. So the body doesn't recognize it as it did when it had a reaction. So Hmm. Um, they definitely encouraged us to like give her baked eggs. And so we did, and and she was able to tolerate it, a baked egg. So she's had muffins and cake and, um, and some cookies too. So that's actually was a huge, big win on our, on our end. That's just a whole other area of food that we can still have and not have anxiety over. They're eating cookies right now. Yeah, yeah. She's pretty excited about (laughs) it. But not raw cookie dough, probably. Not raw cookie. (laughs) And and it's actually funny because I think I made a cookie last Christmas that was a little underbaked and I gave it to Gracie and and she had a reaction where she's like, my belly hurts. And she had a little bit of a hive coming on on her cheek. So, and and when it's like not a big reaction, we can just give her Benadryl and it typically clears Mm -hmm. up. But so. I think that's really interesting, and I don't know the answer to this, but, you know, we have students who come in and have nut allergies, gluten allergy, wheat allergy. They will not eat, you know, deep fryer oil Mm -hmm. or something that's been deep fried, and it's usually because they've had a reaction. Not always, but sometimes it's because they've had a reaction to those foods. I wonder if it's different with eggs and dairy versus peanuts and wheat. Mm -hmm. Because I swear the student, they will not you know, I would love to be able to say that our fried foods are safe, or at least for those who can eat the highly um, cooked, Refined. De, you know, denatured, yeah. you said the denaturing oh, the protein, protein, which I, yeah. I, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But I guess that I don't think that's true with all allergens. Yeah, like peanuts. That's why peanuts, like there's, you can't cook a peanut yeah. enough for it to denature. Yeah. Well, I think also, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think also, this goes back to a, a thing I always get confused about, how women, a lot of times when they're breastfeeding and their child has a dairy or egg allergy, mm-hmm. they can't eat dairy and egg. No. But if but but they can eat peanuts, but, the, but you ate peanuts when you were yeah. breastfeeding. Well, honestly, like when I was still breastfeeding Gracie when she got diagnosed, yeah. and I remember calling the allergist, I'm like, uh, do I need to take this out of my diet? And they're like, has she been tolerating it? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, do keep doing it. Like, yeah. again, I think therapy a lot of it is based off of keep introducing it until their body recognizes like, and and recognize like this isn't harmful. Mm -hmm. So they're like, if you can give it through the breast milk, then that's probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, but again, there's different levels of sensitivity. I'm sure that there are parents that have had to take it out of their diet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I read some, at some point that the peanut protein actually doesn't get into your breast milk, Hmm. but the dairy protein does. I do. Again, I wouldn't be, I shouldn't be quoted on that, but I feel Mm -hmm. like I remember reading that because I've actually researched this before just for my own curiosity. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Yeah. You certainly hear about milk being removed from the diet a lot more than peanuts. Well, I think it's much more likely that your infant's going to have a dairy allergy versus I've never actually heard of an infant Mm -hmm. having a peanut allergy. I mean, a small, small infant. Obviously, Gracie was eight months. Yeah. I've never heard of a really young. I've heard of really young, like, you know, zero to three, zero to six month babies having a dairy allergy, but yeah. never a peanut allergy because they 
usually never tried it mm-hmm. by then. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have the allergy, but they've just never tried the food. Anyway, we need to do some more research on that because it's always a curious thing for me about the breast milk. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the latest research suggests that introducing the top eight allergens between four to 11 months can reduce an infant's chances of having an allergy by 80%, especially those who are high risk. So when you had your second child, Layla, what did you do differently, if anything? Yeah, so I just remember when we, even when we were talking about having another kid, I'm like, I just don't want to do the whole food thing again and was super worried that, you know, more, you know, more children would be more aller- more allergies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually remember being pregnant with, yeah, no, pregnant with Layla. And I read something like an article that said, so uh, siblings are actually not at a greater risk of oh. food. Allergies. They have the same risk level. So reading that again, I don't remember the source or anything, but um, I was like, okay, well, that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, but yeah, so her pediatrician was definitely talking to us when it was time to start talking about introducing solids and knowing Gracie, cause it's her pediatrician as well. Um, it was like, okay, you need to get eggs and peanuts in her as soon as possible. And she pretty much gave us a plan, like put egg on her skin, see if it reacts, put egg on her lip. Now move it into the inside of her lip, move it in the inside of her cheek. And then once she starts eating more and more and more of it, you're good. And she's tolerating it and then do the same thing with peanuts. So we pretty much did that at like right around five to six months. Five to six. Yeah. So we were doing that. With Gracie. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's, and Layla has tolerated, I think we've done all the top eights and she's been eating everything. Mm-hmm. I think the, the thing that's kind of ironic is that we have to keep it in Layla's diet and then it's like managing the cross contact yes. in the kitchen and yeah, and all of that. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Gracie and Paige have come downstairs to <laughs> podcast with us. So I, I thought I figured something was going on. <laughs> Too funny. Um, so what kind of things does Gracie get in her lunch? Kind of what's packed to go to school? And overall, what has your experience been uh, with the school as far as food and accommodating Gracie's allergies? Yeah. Um, so we have... Um, we actually had to switch daycares. Um, the first one she was at, um, although they had a lot of procedures in print of what they've done, we were just constantly seeing conflict and just in whether it was lack of training, lack of just able to watch everything. We we ended up having to move daycares and where we're at now is we love. Um, but wait, hold on. Let's tell a story. OK. I mean, you would come in, I feel like at least once a month. Yeah. Just distraught by yeah. like a teacher bringing in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for themselves and having it on her hands. Yeah, they would Wasn't be eating. Yeah, teachers would be eating in the classrooms. Um, We would have like when she was in the infant room still, they like said they had a clear rule like, oh, like older kids can't be eating food in that classroom. Yeah. And then I in the morning, I'd see like an older brother coming with like peanut butter crackers, like walking in. And I was like, are you not going to say anything? Yeah. yeah, there was pretty. I mean, these weren't like. Did I see this right? Yeah. This yeah. was like, I'm reporting this to you because, yeah. Yeah, it was. And we had several con- sit down conversations with the directors. Mm-hmm. And at that, yeah, the kicker was they had a, a teacher that gave Gracie um, Skittles out of her purse, but um, <laughs> which is not which, okay for which anything. Are, are safe, obviously. Yeah. Skittles are safe. But that, who does that? First of all, I yeah. mean, that's. Yeah, yeah, there's multiple reasons why that's not. Yeah. So so anyways, we digress. But um, mm-hmm. but I, when we were choosing the school, we knew that it was our comfort level to be able to bring her lunch. And so we we liked our first daycare because they didn't have 
in-house food service. Um, everyone did bring their own lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were able to find another one that had the same practice. And and again, I'm sure that there's tons of good food service. It just from our comfort level with her being so little to constantly be worried. Are they always looking at labels? Are they always making sure that they're giving Gracie the right food? Just made us feel better, be able to bring her own food. And then that everyone yeah. else was bringing their own food. So she didn't feel different because she wasn't eating the other pe- other kids were eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so where she's at now, um, the only challenge is, um, and it's not, it, it's, it's totally fine, is um, it has to be cold food. Mm-hmm. They don't do any heat up. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, and we could always have a thermos. We just have, haven't done the thermos thing. But she does like um, turkey sandwiches, hams, like lots of lunch meat. Um, like we make our own Lunchables. Hummus is a crowd pleaser. She loves hummus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say like, and, and this is true even with our students, um, just because she can eat stuff doesn't mean she likes stuff. And she's very much a typical picky eater at times. So we do find that we're in like the same rut. Like she has three yes. or four things that we constantly send. Yeah. And it makes yeah. it harder when she has an yeah. allergy. I mean, one of my favorite things to send for Paige is scrambled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. And even like, sun, like you're like, Oh, sun butter. We can switch out that. Like she hates yeah. sun butter. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Now, can she eat almond butter? She can. She okay. hasn't had too much. She loves Nutella, which <laughs> like not the healthiest, but at least it's a tree nut. Um, so she, she does, she does okay with that. Um, but yeah, she could, she has had almond milk, um, and like almond yogurt. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's funny, like I'll, I'll put almond, like almond butter on my toast. And she's like, is that peanut butter? Is that almond butter? I'm like, it's almond butter. It's like, okay. <laughs> so she's good. Yes. She's self-sufficient. Yeah, she's at, she at the, she's at the age where I bet you feel more comfortable when she goes places and that she's going to actually say something and speak up. Yes. Yes. And we're trying to instill these things in her at, you know, as much as she can developmentally handle, yes. handle it. Yeah. Because that has to be the scariest part of it is. Well, going back to the preschool and daycare, just leaving her somewhere for an entire day Mm -hmm. when she isn't able to speak. Yes. And she doesn't understand her food allergy. I mean, I bet you feel so much better just now that she can speak. Yeah. And she knows what her food allergies Uh are. And she'll speak up, clearly. And even as a baby, I think we were, I mean, at that time it was all new. So there was that. And it was a big game changer in how we ate. But I think it was a lot of fear because- she was crawling. She was putting tons of things in her mouths. And so there's this whole level of like, what if a piece of food falls on the ground? And is she going to pick it up and put it in her mouth? And yeah. so as she grows older, like small toys, you know, you just feel more, you give them more independence or you worry less yes. that those things are going to happen. All right. So kind of jumping uh, right in from that same question, kind of similar. So what are your favorite allergy friendly products or simple made at home snacks or meals? This is a loaded question. And holiday desserts or side dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, um, so I will say what's pretty cool um, in a way um, is that there are so many more companies that are coming out with, if it's not tailored toward a specific allergy, mm-hmm. it's like clear of all the eight allergens. Yeah. Um, and it just in the, in the industry that we're in, we're able to sample a lot of those things mm-hmm. as well. Um, and Gracie likes them. Um, like right now she's on a kick. I think made good. Those little granola balls. Made good or homemade? Are I, they think I think they're made good. Okay. I don't know you can get them are. at Costco anyways, okay. but she loves those. I think what's special with granola, because typically all granola, unless it's labeled, like typically has had the made in a nut facility. They have that warning. Um, yeah. So and do you give her those if they're made in a facility? Yeah, that doesn't bother me too much. Um there's only a few things like I think M&Ms and just because I think from 
um, our experience with they're just knowing that there's more cross contact with like plain M&Ms. I'm mm-hmm. less likely to give her those just because I know that there's more cross contact, but like she yeah. has Hershey kisses okay. a lot, like the plain ones. And I'm, and that's obviously in a facility that has peanuts and nuts. Wait, what do you mean by there's more cross contact with M&Ms? Cause I guess I'm I, not aware of that. Cause I think that, <laughs> I think I heard like that when, weren't we like researching this? Okay. So I think the M&Ms actually on the package, it says, made on the same in the same um, equipment on the equipment not just facilities so yeah that's what you're thinking about yes. Hershey's it's made in the same facility versus made on the same equipment yeah probably yeah yeah so we tag where I work we or we work yeah we tag M&Ms as containing nuts mm-hmm. but we don't tag things as containing nuts unless they're made on the same equipment yeah yeah so. that makes sense okay. um so so anyways so she's not like really like there's not one thing that we live and die for because it's the only thing she can eat. Like I, I really feel for infants that are on formula and have allergies and they have to buy yeah. this super expensive formula um, because typically those tailored um, companies, like those products are going to be a little bit more expensive, oh, like yeah. organic food is as well. So um, we like the, like those products, but really we can easily swap out ingredients and yep. make things like without eggs. So like mayonnaise is, I think one thing that people don't think about having eggs in it or ranch dressing. So, but that's super easy to just be like sour cream or cream cheese or Greek yogurt. Or vegan mayonnaise. Or vegan mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like just mayo is really, really good. We like. Or vegan A's is really good. Um, So we do things like that. Um, Yeah. And around the holidays, and that's like one thing where like, especially with peanuts, like no one needs a peanut really. If you think about (laughs) it, you can pick another ingredient. You can pick another flavor. You can omit it. Um, So that's the one thing that, yeah, that I was like, we can, I, like, I understand like eggs and milk and, and soy and, and gl- that's really, really hard to be yes. expecting people to. That would be more difficult. Yes. yes. Yeah. And really the nuts that are used mainly in the holidays, I, I think of pecans and almonds. I don't yeah. really think of peanuts. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. Did I answer the question? I think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. as far as the holiday desserts, I think it's different for Gracie because at this point, thankfully, she can eat so many things, especially mm-hmm. now that she can eat baked yeah. eggs. Yeah. So that really opens up a lot for her. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think a lot of the companies now are, are be, well, they're obviously being more upfront about which allergy is in their product, which is a, is a law. You have to do that. But mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, it would have been more difficult. But now I'm sure it is a little bit easier. A lot of companies now are coming out with products that are free of the top eight, mm-hmm. which is, which is great. Yeah. Or at least free of peanuts. They'll call that out at least. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny yeah, you say that about desserts at the holidays because like peanut clusters are the number one thing that my family loves. It's so funny. And yeah. actually, now that you mention it, we all we also have Buckeyes, which are yeah. you know, oh. chocolate dip peanut butter, yeah. which you can make with sun butter, mm-hmm. by the way. I mm-hmm. actually gave a sun butter Buckeye to a student once who had a nut allergy and he gave himself like a psychosomatic reaction because yeah. he thought it was peanut butter. Oh I told him it was not, I'm obviously not going to be feeding you peanut butter, but he started like Kind of freaking out because yeah. it tasted so oh. much like peanut butter. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I guess if you yeah, add enough butter and sugar, <laughs> it probably yeah. does taste, you Very know, similar. nearly the same. Yeah. No, really, they were delicious. <laughs> I am telling you, they were so good. So if you if you have someone with a nut allergy and you want to make Buckeyes, just swap out, swap it either for Barney butter, which is a good almond butter uh, that tastes, I think, like peanut butter, has the same texture, or sun butter. Yeah. All right. My kids love sun butter for the record, and we have no food allergies, but our school is. Not free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All yeah I, think it's, I think it's delicious, honestly. I'm not a fan. No. No. no interesting. <laughs> probably why. Probably why she didn't like it. <laughs> she sees your face when you take a bite. I'm like, mm, no, I tried. I'm like, it's so good. And she's like, no. I'm like, yeah, I don't. I agree. 
Yeah. So, you know, obviously this is challenging at times. So, and I'm sure holidays can be especially tough with parties and all, you know, just, just all things food that surround, you know, that time of year or this time of year. What, what are some things that can really make that easier for Gracie? Um, I think around the holidays. Yeah, we try to, we really try to make things as normal as possible. Um, I, I mean, just timely right now we're coming up to Halloween. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not scared for her to go trick or treating. We just, she just knows like when she was little, we used to say trick or treat, no peanuts, please. Um, <laughs> when you knock on the door. Yeah. <laughs> I teach her to say that. And then, um, you know, we'll go, she knows to like ask us before she can eat something. So we, we just give her clear boundaries. Um, like around the holidays, like I know, like our families love to make a bunch of cookies and I will never say, especially now that she's older, like, no, I don't want you to have this thing that you love. That's a tradition. Mm -hmm. We just try to think about a way to keep her safe still. So I remember last Christmas, they just had all the, um, nut ones in a different area, like really high or in a different spot. Um, and we just made sure everyone realized, like, if you're going to eat those, like, just please wash your hands before you, um, go back to where Gracie is. Um, but other than that, like I said, it's, it's really easy to just, and I think maybe it's just become so ingrained in our lives. We've just been so easy to sub something out or we just don't think about things with peanut butter or eggs yeah. that much. Which brings me to the, the next question. So I remember when Gracie was younger mm -hmm. and you going to holiday parties, maybe at your in-laws or your family's house and you mentioning that you wanted to tell them kind of just like what you said, mm -hmm. some kind of guidelines. Mm -hmm. you, you had some guidelines to give yeah. them and things have probably changed now yeah. that she's a little bit older and more independent. Mm -hmm. But if you have someone, especially when Gracie was younger, what are some things that you think would be helpful for our listeners to hear if they are throwing a party around the holidays and they have a guest who has a food allergy, whether they're really young or not? Like what would what would be the the best thing for them to do to kind of make it easier for yeah. you and for Gracie? Yeah. For someone I, like you or Gracie. Yeah. I think well, generally if you're if you're having an event, um, and I'm all about just inclusion in general. Yeah. We have a lot of dietary restrictions in our family, not just Gracie's allergies. Uh, my grandma has celiac and um, we have some other um, people control their diets for IBS reasons and all that as well. So um, we I think just knowing who you're inviting um, and, and what their dietary needs are and just asking them like, hey, this is what we're thinking about having. Is there anything that we can make that does that all sound good? Like just being really like asking the question. Number one is is totally OK. And yeah. somebody who's managing allergies will. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I think we've been very, very surprisingly um, blessed that the community around Gracie loves her so much. And I mean, there's been so many times where her, like we go to a friend's party and the parents will text us and say, hey, like, is it OK if Gracie has these things? Like, this is what we're thinking. Like, no, we didn't even ask them to do that. They yeah. just text us or they'll bring cupcakes and they'll bring her like a Rice Krispie treat or something like mm -hmm. that. So we've been really, really surprised and blessed that um we haven't had too much conflict in that area. Um, but yeah, I think just making sure you understand what their needs are asking. Um, if you're having something bigger, like a wedding, I, I love it when you see like on um, RSVP cards, like, please let us know if you have any um, dietary needs so that someone has the um, 
the ability to declare that. And then you can work with that caterer to make sure that there's a meal. And also, I think we've run into more conflict with my husband being a vegetarian (laughs) that we've gone to so many weddings where he's like, I'm having green beans, which is, you know, he doesn't care. At the end of the day, we're we're heading to Taco Bell, you know, on the way home. But, um, But I think if you can just think of like, that experience for your guest, or do they have options? Mm-hmm. Um, do they have balance options? You know, are they going to be able to make a protein in a couple sides yes. and they'll still be good? Um, and I mean, if you really, really, really want to be accommodating and it's something that's easy, like a peanut, just don't have any peanuts yeah. on your menu. And like I said, if like there's milks and soy allergies, those are a little bit harder. And I, I a little bit more unrealistic. Yeah. For someone to be like, you can't have any of that on, um, on your menu. Um, and I think also I will say again, if you know that you have somebody who has an infant or a baby or crawling, like I would definitely make sure that there's a plan in place because that Mm -hmm. anxiety level, like, or we have a a baby that's stressful, but to constantly be like, they can't, um, they can't say anything again. They're putting things in their mouth all the time. Yep. People all want to hold the baby and they're like, did they wash their hands? Like yes. it was so again, like our anxiety level when Gracie was probably less than two was I'm sure like people were. Yeah. Yeah. And it's we your crazy. first baby. Yeah. You're breastfeeding and trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. I can just remember that was the most stressful time. And then if you add an allergy onto mm-hmm. that, I, yeah. and, and honestly, people are well-meaning, but they, you don't, you don't really get it until you're living it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I did a, t- before I even had Gracie, we, we did a bunch of, um, research and training on allergies. And I, again, truly didn't understand it until I had to think about it every single day, every single yep. meal. Yep. And that you just don't, yeah, you don't think about everything you're washing, everything you're cleaning up. Mm-hmm. Are you using the same knife that you just used here? Yep. Yeah. Cross contact. Cross contact. Mm-hmm. Serious stuff. Yep. That's good. So, yeah, I think I, I do have a cousin and an aunt and uncle who have celiac and don't eat gluten. So whenever I have Thanksgiving, for example, obviously it's, I would say, nearly impossible to have Thanksgiving without gluten, at least not a tasty one. No offense to anyone who doesn't eat gluten, but let's That's be honest. That's because you and I love the stuffing, Gina. I know, exactly. The stuffing is our favorite part. So what I always do, like, like what you said, kind of think about can they make a balanced plate that has at least some of the good, you know, things yeah. that you crave at Thanksgiving yeah. uh, with their, you know, their celiac disease. Um, can can they do that here? And so I kind of go, I go through all the different things that we're going to be serving and then I'll delegate. Like, you know, we don't have, you know, for example, a gluten-free stuffing, but I know that's a big part of a Thanksgiving meal. Do you mind bringing a gluten-free yeah. stuffing? They probably have a good recipe for yeah. it and they do. And I love that, Gina, that you mentioned that because if you again, if you're having a party, like definitely offer or say, like, if you want to bring something that you know is safe, that's also really helpful because mm-hmm. then that person knows they made it in their kitchen. They know it's safe. Um, so and, and most of the especially the family stuff we go to is, is commonly potluck anyways. Yeah. Like I'll always prepare like two things. One thing I know Stephen can eat mm-hmm. um, that's vegetarian. And then um, one thing if, if needed that Gracie can eat. And sometimes we just bring. Gracie, her own meal. Yeah. And if she doesn't eat it because she actually can eat the stuff there, then that's a win. Oh, well. yeah. yeah. But we're prepared. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. All right. So that kind of wraps up the questions that we have. Is there anything else that you would like to share? Or Nicole, do you have any other questions? We'll start with, is there anything else that you want to share that you think our listeners would appreciate hearing from a, the mom of a kid with allergies? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I I think that um, the big thing is that it truly takes a village to manage a food allergy. Mm-hmm. Um, you when you really think about, you're not in hundred percent in control of the food you eat, and that's everything down to the production level. I mean, it, I know there's um, when you're gluten free, like there's 
there you have to buy specific oatmeal because just the way it's grown, yeah. you can't guarantee that there's no cross contact with gluten. So, yeah. you know, everything from production to people who make your food, people who care for your children, everything, everybody has to be on board. Everybody has to know the current situation. Um, there has to be an open dialogue, especially if you have children who spends a lot of time with a caregiver. Um, it's, I'm a person that doesn't like a lot of confrontation, but I have learned that I have to advocate for my children. And so if I see something, I have to say something. And sometimes I have to be prepared that I was wrong and that's Mm -hmm. fine too. Um, so that's, that's definitely important. I know sometimes I, I hear, um, people not understand, especially around classrooms. Like why do these classrooms have to be not free? My Mm -hmm. kid only eats peanut butter. And I think that if you could kind of take a step back and realize, like, I think we can all agree that we don't want to have you know, guns laying around, like maybe that's kind of a, like a, it seems like a, a weird analogy, but you know, a, a gun sitting in the middle of a classroom is that what it feels like when you're not sure if a food is going to react to your child. Yeah. That's how that would feel like to you. Like, yeah, I exactly. wouldn't want a gun sitting at my teacher's desk with, with yeah. my kid in there, but just like you wouldn't want a peanut butter sandwich sitting yeah. in the middle of a, yeah. Because yeah. again, it's like, I don't I know think if it's a good yeah. analogy. Like, you don't know if it's loaded. You don't know if they interact with it. Is Are they just going to go to the hospital because they got hurt? Or are they? Or yeah. is it going to be fatal? So yeah. I think, um, and more and more kids have allergies, and it's becoming more the norm that classrooms are not free, and, mm-hmm. and parents understand that. Um, but yeah, and I'm hopeful. I like. I really think that the research is getting more um, aggressive because there's so many kids mm-hmm. that I'm hopeful in her lifetime that there will be something, something else besides just total avoidance, whether... Mm-hmm it's a pill or I don't know, a shot or a vaccine. Like who knows? I just think that there was a time when people had diabetes or they didn't know about insulin. So, and that was a complete game changer in how they managed um, diabetes. So I'm hopeful that we'll have some kind of an answer sometime. And then, yeah. Yeah. They're doing those tests now where they're feeding children minute, small amounts Mm -hmm. of peanuts. Yeah. they're uh, slowly building up their tolerance. Yeah. I don't know if that's something you've talked about with your doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are, um, I believe, oral challenges. um, And it's definitely a common therapy. Um, So we haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, Grace actually just got her blood pulled because they can do scratch tests, but they can also look at her blood. Uh Um, And they use those numbers together to see like how aggressive they want to go with therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, And the last time that we we had our results, they were like, oh, it's just too high, which meant it was just too she was too likely to have a reaction. They didn't feel okay. like her levels were low enough to start being aggressive in oral challenges. But it's definitely um, what they want. With her eggs, they just want her to, like, start eating things that have egg baked in it less. And then they move forward with that. Okay. For so peanuts. Like move to pancakes yes. instead of a cupcake. Yes. And then, yeah. And then with um, peanuts, they even have, like, new technology. It sounds like a pill or even a patch where it's, mm-hmm. yeah, very it's similar. Yeah. It's almost, I don't know if it's, like, like, a nicotine patch or, like, huh. a, like almost the pill version of allergy shots where you're just giving little, little doses over time to increase their tolerance of that protein. Um, and my doctor was very clear. He's like, this does not mean that if she goes through something that she would be able to eat peanut butter sandwiches one day. It's just right. that if she were to in- interact with it or ingest enough that it wouldn't be anaphylactic fatal yeah. reaction. Yeah. That's I think all that matters. Right? Yep. Any, any questions for you, Nicole? Do you have any more questions for Rachel? I should say. I don't think so. Super interesting. And we just really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks. I'm happy to share my story. (laughs) So we're going to end with all three of us. I didn't have this on the show notes. Sorry, Nicole. But we might as well do this. What a favorite food find. Because I I had one that I wanted to share. So do either of you have a favorite new food that you've been giving your kids or yourself or your husband uh, as of the last week? 
I'll start with mine. Okay. Okay. So uh, Cameron is really into, you know, the processed meat sausage, the sausage links. Wherever we go, like Bob Evans, wherever it is, he will just, I mean, go to town on those things. So obviously not the most health promoting item on the menu. Specifically, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't, don't like all the salt in those things. That's really what kind of stands out to me. But I bought the Morningstar breakfast links, huge hit, less sodium, you know, not a processed meat product. Of course it is processed, but I consider it a little bit of a healthier choice for him and a uh, huge, huge hit. And even Paige likes them too. So Morningstar, Breakfast Links, give them a try. Hmm. <laughs> I don't, you maybe, Gina, do you like um, LaCroix? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah, I probably ate like, drank 12 of uh, your house when we were there for two days. Okay. I, th- I thought so. I don't know. Rachel, do you like LaCroix? Um, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> No, <laughs> that's okay. I'll, I'll drink it, but I don't, I don't. It's, yeah, it's not a prerequisite it. to uh, being on the podcast. Don't worry. Um, okay, perfect. So <laughs> I am, I, um, I always say I like single-handedly keep this company um, thriving. The hibiscus flavor, is it new? Oh yeah, I've had it. I've had it. But it's, it's good. newish, it's really right? Mm-hmm, I think so. Okay. Well, that's not really a find. I'm trying. I'm, no, it is. That, that's good. That can count. It counts. A new flavor. Okay. Oh, it yeah. totally counts. I, I put it, I didn't have it in the show notes, but you know, yeah, I, I you wrote it on in spot. on my printed. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Hibiscus LaCroix. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. So coming up on December 22nd, we'll be dishing about our holiday traditions, past and present, and our favorite holiday foods. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. And you don't even have to write anything. Just fill out the stars. All right. Until next time, everyone. Be well. Talk to you soon, Nicole. Thanks, Rachel. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.